The following is an encore presentation of Exploring Missions. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Missions is an amazing thing when, where, and how it takes place. Uh, We've been studying in the book of Acts about the difficulties, some people call it barriers to the gospel. And how the Spirit of God energizing individuals was able to overcome those obstacles, those difficulties. That wasn't just true in the Bible. It's true today. And we're praying that these programs that we've done on this through the book of Acts would encourage you to be able to overcome the obstacles that stand in your way of sharing the gospel. And and today, we want to share that. It's uh, a great study, I think you'll see, because the biggest obstacle sometimes is knowing and believing that which is biblical. And in Acts chapter 15, there was a big, big meeting to declare about salvation and who it was available to. And at the end of that meeting, it was understood that the gospel was for all people. There's no one that does not need to hear the gospel and respond to Christ. Again, this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. And Nathan, Acts chapter 15 is monumental, not just in the book of Acts, but in church history, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a crucial, critical uh, moment in the uh, life of the uh, uh, the church. And um, it's good to, to take a close look at it. Um, before we do, you know, I'm here on this page in, in the book of Acts uh, where chapter 15 starts. But uh, over on my uh, the other page, I'm reading a quote from uh, from Paul um, as he's quoting the Old Testament. And it says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And that's kind of the heart of the of the book of Acts. That's the heart of um, even this uh, conflict and debate. Um um, this clarifying moment, if you will, that we're going to look at in Acts 15, um, is is salvation for the Gentiles? Is salvation for all peoples to the ends of the earth? Um, is that what God is up to? Um, or is it more, you know, uh, exclusive than that? And so, yeah, I think it's a good time to, we're kind of halfway through the book of Acts, you know, right here. Um, so I think Luke is kind of, um, as he's writing the book of Acts, you know, he's, this is kind of highlight a highlight in the in the whole book to for us to kind of study and, and to get a good grasp of. It is, and Paul has finished his first missionary journey, and uh, he shared with the church at Antioch, and now he's going to Jerusalem because uh, this is concerning uh, the the gospel has basically been Jewish. And there were some God-fearers, especially in the church at Antioch, that had come along and was saved. But uh, they were saying, okay, is it salvation plus? Is it Christ plus? 
uh, circumcision? Is it Christ plus the dietary law? What all is it? And so in Jerusalem, they had to meet. And I, I believe it would be good for me to read this. And I'm reading, started in verse 1 because uh, this is so pivotal, as you said, Nathan. It says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So here you have a dissension, a disagreement. And again, Nathan, notice who it is that's disagreeing. It's these Pharisees who had believed, but they had come out of a regimented uh, doctrine of separation, of circumcision, of dietary laws. They're kind of bringing their, uh, their baggage along with them, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's they 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 are steeped in the in the law of Moses. They are, um, um, you know, they have it memorized. They could quote you the Pentateuch uh, chapter and verse if you if you wanted to ask for it. And and so their emphasis was on uh, purity, um, and and specifically um, obedience to to God's commands, um, which they had you know numbered out. Um, and so those that uh, Jewish Pharisees that had come to hear the good news of Jesus and put their faith and trust in him and repented of their sins. They, they were followers of Jesus, but they still held on to that background, the baggage, like you said. Um, and you know, that's not, um, uncommon to think of something like this. So, um, you know, they had, they just had a, a stricter background and they were wanting to um, I guess assume that all people from all places should, you know, walk the same path that they have. And and because of this, they heard both sides. They heard what Paul and Barnabas had experienced, not only in Antioch, but there on the first missionary journey. Simeon comes in and he tells in verse 14, he, Simon, excuse me, has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles. Uh, and, and so it was written, and again, you see this. And so they have a decree, and it is that you're saved by Christ alone, but they're saying, you be careful, don't flaunt, and I use that word uh, literally, flaunt your liberty to put it in the face of those who... Uh, have different thoughts on this concerning salvation and how you should live thereafter. Uh, Nathan, you know, Paul would write a lot about this liberty that we have in Christ. In the book of Corinthians, he says all things are lawful, but there's limits that you should put on this liberty that you have. It's not a lasciviousness, can't say it today, but it is one that 
uh, you're to use for the glory of God. So out of this doctrine, it started in Jerusalem, but it'd be corrupted. And then when the Reformation came along with Martin Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, all of those, uh, they had to revisit this because uh, salvation doctrine had been corrupted. And so the Protestant Reformation brought about a, would you call it a look at this once again from a biblical view? Yeah, I, th- I think so. You know, um, is it is it Christ plus our good works that that bring about salvation? Um, almost in a sense of uh, earning or working for salvation, or um, is it is it truly by faith? You know, by grace through faith that that anyone is saved. Um, and you see that here in First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Acts fifteen. You do, and I, I wanted to go over this, and I, I was going to just go to the next barrier, but my I just felt like it would be good for our listeners to hear this, to understand that this, this barrier, if it's wrong, it doesn't matter how many other barriers you tear down if you're not going to present truth after the barrier is gone, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. this, this is the whole doctrine and it was, it's basically the heart of, of biblical belief concerning salvation. Uh, some people call it the heart of the Protestant belief, the five beliefs. And let me just share with them. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, for God's glory alone. Now, the last one kind of summarizes all the other when you put it at at grace faith in christ alone according to the scriptures uh it does give glory to god not glory to herself but ephesians kind of makes it plain it says by grace are you saved through faith and so it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast so so nathan when you come to that christ uh by grace alone uh it is it is so true that it is not anything else. And Martin Luther would write in this on on his commentary to the book of Galatians. He wrote, and this is about the Catholic Church and the Pope. And uh, in that day, they were so, they, they had corrupted the gospel so much. And praise God today, many, many uh, Catholics who listen to AFR, uh, man, they know Christ alone and they're trusting in him. But he said, if the Pope would concede that God alone, by his grace through Christ, justifies sinners, we would carry him in our arms. We would kiss his feet. Uh, Martin Luther, who was known for his standing up against the Pope, and he is saying if the Pope could understand that in his day, it's not the individual, it's the doctrine of Christ. And it is by, by grace that you're saved. But it's also through faith. Faith activates that grace, doesn't it, Nathan? Yeah, you know, grace is, you know, God's activity, God initiating um, this work of salvation. Um, it's a gift. You know, that's what grace is. It's, it's free. It's a, it's a free gift. But uh, faith is the receiving of that gift. You know, it's, it's, it's an open hand um, and an open heart to, uh, to receive that, to to understand we don't have anything in our hands. We have nothing good of ourselves 
we can't save ourselves. Um, so we need this offer. We need this uh, free gift of salvation, this grace from God. Um, and and faith is what, you know, faith honestly is a gift also, but, but faith is what, like you said, activates that grace um, and appropriates it in, into our lives. Now, responding to his grace through faith is not works. It is receiving what God has given you. And, uh, you know, using an acrostic, someone who says faith stands forsaking all I trust him. And that is true. If you have a hard time understanding faith, belief, it is, is a complete trust in him and him alone for salvation, not your own, but him. And that's what the reformers came to and to understand. And then it would come to the central part of these five, and that is Christ alone. Christ is the one mediator, mediator between God and man, and our salvation is accomplished only through his death and resurrection. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that man is Christ Jesus. So here it is, Christ in grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. It's not Christ plus, is it, Nathan? Yeah, it's just it's just Jesus, uh, only Jesus, and um, and I think in here in Acts fifteen you see a little bit of, uh, and again we're not questioning the the genuineness and the salvation of of these brothers here at this time, um, but they were sort of adding, you know, okay, we want Jesus is the main thing, but we need we think these other things are important too, um, and. And yes, there are some important things, but we we have to be careful that we're not adding um, whether whether it's church tradition uh, or just church in general. You know, we we like to say you know it's Jesus only, but then you know churches we put church up there like attendance to a worship service or something almost on on the same level or uh, or you know good works or uh, you know good habits spiritual spiritual habits uh, or um, you know just our, our behavior, good behavior. So, um, again, those things are important, but they're no comparison to Jesus. Jesus alone can save. Um, honestly, all those other things, all they can do is really, they can condemn us. That's as best they can do. Yep. And Christ alone stands alone. And if you've never trusted him, you may be at church like Nathan was talking about, uh, you may be even a teacher. I've had the privilege of seeing pastors be saved, deacons be saved, elders be saved, Sunday school teachers be saved. They, uh, It's not a position. It is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is him alone. The scriptures make it plain that it is Christ, for by grace you have been saved. It is by faith in Christ Jesus. So that was the obstacle that had to be overcome. And out of the result of this in Acts chapter 15, and I love this when I was in, in college at Blue Mountain, uh, that my Bible professor related this. He says, when you get through reading chapter 15, you re need to read the book of James, because it seems like that what, what the decree that the Jerusalem council gave would, would be great but then James would write a greater treatise or a commentary on it, resulting in the book of James. And, 
And 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 the book of James is hard to understand, but it when you compare it in Romans and lay them side by side, one is talking about your salvation secured, and that is by grace through faith in Christ, and then sanctification taking place in the book of James. It says, "Don't best be hearers, but be doers of the word." So, the result of Christ coming into our lives, Nathan, is a change. Uh, Paul made that plain in Corinthians. He says, all things have become new. There's been a change in my life. And and this freedom that we have, this liberty, is not a license. It is a, a new life. It's life that brings about it. So that's what the first obstacle was. And the reason I wanted to spend so much time on this is if you don't, if you don't have this right, overcoming those other barriers that I said earlier— uh, what what are you going to give them if you overcome them? You know, it is Christ. Yeah. And the second one that I wanted to discuss today is is in chapter fifteen as well. You remember we've talked about Paul and Barnabas getting back on the first missionary journey. Then they go to Jerusalem to report what they've done, and they come up with this doctrine. But now it seems like that Paul and Barnabas are headed out on quote what we call the second missionary journey. Let me read that. It's in chapter 15, starting in verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them in the work or to the work. The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthened the churches. Now here's a barrier, Nathan, of conflict between brothers in Christ. Do you mean that can happen? <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, um it happens quite often. Um, like we've said before, you know, the the primary reason why missionaries leave the field early before their um, before their time is up is is because of conflict with uh, other missionaries. You know, they can't get along with their teammates. Um, now, can God use that and redeem that and and bring fruit even out of conflict like this? Yes. I mean, we saw it in uh, the first part of Acts 15 with this conflict over um a uh, you know over beliefs and over who can who can save and, and how that happens um, and we saw you know a clarification of of the central uh, message of salvation for all people um, and here there's conflict between you know these two two brothers not necessarily over an idea or over a doctrine but it's over um, you know a teammate who sh- who you know should John Mark go along or not. And, uh, but God would even use this, um, one, he's multiplying the number of mission teams here. You know, first you have one, Paul and Barnabas, now you have two, you know, so, um, God can, God could bring good things out of difficult situations, but it's, it's good to pay attention to, uh, to the situation here. We can learn some things from it. I don't want to dwell on it. Everybody's been saying who was right and who was wrong. I'm going to let God decide that. But I know mm-hmm. the result was good, as you said. Two missionary teams, 
not just one. And uh, it sounded like they parted okay, you know. In other words, right. if, if there is a conflict, you do not have to make it the major thing. Uh, look for a, a res- resolution, and I believe they did. So the barrier of conflict was overcome. Another one that I, I saw, Nathan, was in Acts chapter 17. Now, this one is a little different, but it is real. Paul had the Macedonian call, so he goes over into Europe. And what a difference that Macedonia call made, because in Europe is where the gospel would flourish beyond measure and did great work uh, all in through the Western civilization. But here they, he comes to Athens and he goes up and he notices they have many gods. Now, Athens is not known just for idolatry. It was a place of philosophy. Now, what can happen? A philosophy, I, I, I put it as a barrier because many people want to treat Christianity and salvation as a philosophy rather than a relationship with Christ. And Paul kind of said, no, I noticed that you have a a a idol to the unknown God. I want to tell you about this God and make him known to you. So here the barrier of idolatry and philosophy. Paul even used that uh, to and that power to share the gospel, didn't he? Yeah, you know, um, if you um, look at, at the book of Acts uh, and notice like Paul's messages, you know, like how he shares the gospel, how he preaches um, and you you notice there's some differences from time to time in, in how he begins and how he uh, shares that message. Now, he always kind of gets to the end the same. You know, the focus is on Jesus, and he talks about uh, repentance, and he talks about, um, well, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And um, But where his starting point might be different based on his audience. And so, you know, you see when he's preaching in, in a Jewish setting, um, you know, his starting point is going to be different than what he would, uh, where he would start when he's here, like in Athens in Acts 17, um, more of a, um, well, a Greek, a pagan, um, Gentile setting. And so, you know, I think it's important for us to note that and, and kind of, you know, apply that in our own lives so we can know, you know, we need to know the message. Of, of what we're saying, but we also need to know who we're speaking with and learn how to build bridges between us and those people so they can hear, hear the gospel in a clear, uh, a clear way. We want people to be able to um, hear the gospel where they understand it clearly, but also be able to respond to it. Um, and that's what he was doing here in, in Athens in Acts 17. When I compare that today, I could not help but think of educational institutions when you go to many of them, the philosophy that you hear, it's even idolatrous. And being able to know that and being able to do what you sh- uh, said, share it in a way, recognize who you're talking to, recognize where you are, but present the gospel in such a manner to try to, I'm using the word connect with them. And sometimes it has to show the fallacy of what they believe. And yeah. uh, so it's a combination so the barrier of philosophy is real. It's real today because uh, people really, by and large, especially in America, 
Uh, there's a tendency because of what we've believed to reject uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we need to present it in such a way as best we can with the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word, as Paul did there at Athens. And I, I, I admire him. He did not back down, but he wasn't uh, one that, you know, gloated over it. But the result was, as he comes to the end, when he got to the resurrection, it says they wouldn't hear it anymore. But the last verse in chapter uh, 17 says, there were some that did believe and even named two by name, uh, Nathan. I mean, that's yeah. what is, I mean, even two and a few more. God took notice of just a few that responded, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And, you know, you notice that Paul did not set out to destroy their philosophical arguments. That wasn't his his goal. Now, he might have had to refute those and show their, their fallacy in certain places, but that was not his his the fruit he was looking for. He was wanting followers of Jesus and making disciples was his goal. So, um, you know, that's what Luke is showing us here. Um, but, you know, you talk about philosophy as kind of a you know, we might use another term these days, like worldview might be a term that we might use more, probably uh, more common is now uh, the idea of, well, ideology is kind of a, yeah. is a term that you'll hear. And, you know, Paul, um, I, th I think what, 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 we see, what we see in the Gospels, what we see in the New Testament here is that, you know, ideologies, whatever they are, they might be competing they might be uh compelling uh they might be convincing um they might be ridiculous you know um but we're not to take on ideologies um or, or make a big uh make a big point out of um refuting those uh we're simply to um be an incarnational um, model of the gospel of jesus and so it's people that matter not not the not the programs and not the, uh, the arguments, but, but the actual individual people. And so, you know, Paul was making his big point was about Jesus and the person of Jesus. And here in the end of, like you mentioned, the end of Acts 17, we see here's some people, um, Dionysius and Damaris and others with them. So, I mean, there's actual people who came to believe in Jesus and God changed their life through this message of the gospel of Jesus and, and whatever their ideology may or may not have been uh, really doesn't matter at that point. Now we're talking about Athens, uh, the place that is most noted for learning Athens, the place that is open. They had open debate. At least they were willing to hear to a certain point. And so the avenues that God has for you, uh, don't be afraid to take them. And as Nathan has just said, make it about Jesus. And, and you're on good standing with that. Today on Exploring Missions, we've been talking about overcoming false doctrine, really, or not just false doctrine, but misleading that you're saved. It's Christ alone. Even conflicts can be overcome, that the gospel can be shared. And then finally, don't let the philosophy of the world, as Nathan said, your worldview keep you from serve, sharing Christ. Nathan, it's been good to be with you, and we're going to do this again next week. All right, let's, let's finish it up next time. 
Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. May God use you on His call in your life.